0: Fix that problem by accepting you, Lord, and accepting eternal life, Lord. And we also pray for those of us that are believers that we would be refreshed and recharged, Lord, to go back and to be examples and witnesses of you. And again, we just thank you for all these things. We pray it through your son's name who makes everything possible. Amen.
1: Okay. For a. Uh those of you who are thinking what in the world is going on I just want to fill you in my name is Denise Gerhardt and I live in North Phoenix Arizona and a few months ago I was asked to do this forum and they told me that we're going to be making history because this is the first teen forum that a teen is actually going to lead and um... just so you know I am extremely nervous so if you would please bear with each and every one of us we're going to do our best to share some of the stories that we've experienced in our lives and some of the things that are very personal to us. So I would appreciate it if you could give us your undivided attention and um, we're going to try to make this as interesting and as short as possible. Okay, here we go. Um, first I want to tell you a little teensy bit about myself. When um, we were two years old, my family and I moved to, from Mansfield, Ohio to Florida. We lived in Florida for ten years. And every single year, it was kind of almost like Gerhardt tradition that we moved every year. But it wasn't that big of a deal because we went to the same church and we hung out with the same people. And when I was 11 years old, my parents sat my sister and I down on their bed and said, girls, we have something to tell you. So naturally, we were very curious, and they went on to tell us that the Lord was moving our family to Phoenix, Arizona. Well, as an 11... first question was, okay, where's that? I had no idea. I didn't know who went there. I'm like, we're moving to the desert. Is there like sand or what's going on? So I was um, upset, discouraged, upset, 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 basically. And um, what happened is that mom and dad started packing up the house and decided that this is definitely the Lord's will, this is great, everything worked out perfectly, and we got to go to Pine Valley and all these wonderful things, and the more they packed up, the more and more Marie and I unpacked all of our stuff. We were furious. This is not where we're supposed to be, and I, I was sure of it. And uh, the first night we were in North Phoenix, Arizona, was a Sunday evening, and because North Phoenix was very small at the time, now it's, now it's booming, but then it was it was, Kind of small, we uh, had singing in Dave and Deb Gerhardt's home, and Marie and I were the oddballs by a landslide. We were singing so loud, and it's just kind of like the way we are, and everybody's turning around like, who are these bozos behind us? But it was totally different. But what made the move so easy, what made it What made me realize that this was really God's will was the people from North Phoenix. The moment we walked in there, yes, we were different. Yes, we weren't normal, and they were curious to go see what was going on. But they warmly, warmly accepted us into their congregation. And they showed us that, you know, we're just like them. And through those years, we've been in Phoenix for about six years now. And ever since then, I can always turn to Anybody in that church, and they are my family, and I think that a lot of times we don't even realize what we have, and I know I take them for granted each and every day. And I, what I want to get out of the forum today is I want you guys to realize (laughs) that you have each other, and a lot of times you know you think, yeah, my friends, they're here, they're they're here to laugh with, and sometimes cry with, and giggle and whatnot. But in reality, they are your strong support. They're your beam. they're your foundation. We have God, we can turn to him first. After that, we have these people. I mean, our peers, they know exactly what is going on in our lives. They're dealing with college, they're dealing with high school, they're dealing with relationships and everything that we are. And if anybody can better understand you, it's your peers. And a lot of them have excellent words of advice. Some, I mean, some people have failed tremendously And from their failures, you can learn immensely. Is that a word? I don't even know. But um, what we are going to hear today is the struggles and failures of five other individuals and some of the people that they've turned to in their life and maybe some of the people that have turned to them and kind of go from there. So first, we're going to hear about Marie and her stressful life. Many of you who know me somewhat remotely well,
2: and know that I'm in charge of stress would think that this is an oxymoron. Why on earth is Maria up here talking about stress when she is the queen of stress? Um, I really don't know actually, um, but that the Lord has taught me so much about um, how much stress is really not necessary in our lives and with all this, trust me, I am talking to myself first and all of you know that because many of you know how I am. Um, When I was young, um, I stressed a lot about little things, about tests and things, and even now, I stress a lot about little things. But there was always something that my mom would tell me, and she would say, Marie, you know, you're stressing about this test or this paper, or whatever it is. I want you to think about your life two weeks from now. And I want to ask you if you're going to remember that test. Are you going to remember that you even took some Spanish test and you got a B instead of a B plus? Probably not. And if my answer to that question was, yes, yes, it matters. Yes, it does matter. Yeah, I'm going to care if I got a B plus on this test in two weeks. She would say, OK, well, how about um, six months from now? Are you going to even remember that you took Spanish this semester? And my answer may have been no. Most of the time, it was no. If not, she would go up to a year. And once we hit the year mark, most of the things that I was stressing about didn't really matter anymore. And I would have forgotten them in a year's time this worked and it really helped me in most of the areas in my life where I was stressing out the most um, until a situation that I had this year I am entering my third year of college and um, I was going to a small university now I'm transferring to a larger one and my major is music therapy and I was trying to get into the music program at the school Arizona State and um, it was a very stressful situation for me I found out only a couple days before that I was going to be doing this audition in front of a panel of five judges who would be critiquing me on every single thing I said, every single, the way I sung, when I took a breath, if I took it in the wrong spot, every little detail. And I wasn't really used to that. I was used to singing because I wanted to praise the Lord, not because of how it sounded or how it came out. And I was like, okay, Marie, calm calm yourself down. You can do this. Think about your life. Okay, think about your life six months from now. Is this gonna matter? Is this gonna matter? And my answer was, (laughs) yeah, it's gonna matter. If I don't get into this school, it's gonna matter. Okay, um, one year, two years down the road, is this gonna matter? And my answer was always yes. And instead of that technique calming me down, it just escalated my stress level that much more. And it got to the point that I was spending so many hours in the practice rooms, I felt like I was living there, I was spending too much time practicing and not enough time praying and trusting God. I think that stress is oftentimes um, the result of, one, taking on too much, which a lot of us have a tendency to do. We don't know our limits. Two, procrastinating, which we all know what that's about. And three, not trusting in the Lord. And maybe it's not just one thing, but maybe it's a combination of all those three things. And that's what was going on in my life. And so. I couldn't take it anymore. And I just sat down at my computer, and I was like, I need help, I can't do this alone. And I was was too stressed to even pray for myself. And I sent out an email to most of the people in my address book, just anyone I knew, just I didn't really care who got it, just as long as people were praying for me. And I just explained my situation, said, you know, this is the day, this is the time that I'm, you know, have this audition, would you please pray for me? And a couple people emailed me back saying, you know, Marie, we love you so much. We want the best for you. God wants the best for you. Don't worry, God is in control here. You don't need to freak out. And that was so encouraging to me. And just knowing, even those that didn't respond, just knowing that there were so many people out there praying for me totally wiped away my fears. And yes, I was still very nervous and very anxious about the situation. But I walked into the the, um, audition and I was totally at peace about it, and I was totally calm. And I had never in my life, after spending nine hours in a practice room, sung those songs as perfectly as I had sung them before. But that's not the point. The point isn't that I got through the audition and it was perfect. The point is that, okay, the audition went great, I'm gonna get in, this is fine, this is wonderful. But I didn't get in, I didn't get into the school of music. And that was a a big discouragement for me, a big disappointment. I was, you know, I could not have asked for a better audition. What was wrong with this picture? But the point was that that was not God's plan for my life this semester. He has something different for me, and I don't know exactly what it is, but I know that it's His plan, and that no matter how much I stressed about it, no matter how much I worried about it, no matter how much I missed out on small joys during that week, I can't even tell you what happened that week. I have no recollection of anything else that happened. I missed out on so much that if I would have just trusted in God and His plan, that He was in control of my life, it didn't matter how well I did or how bad I did. God's plan was that I didn't get into that school this semester. So it didn't matter how much I stressed or how much I didn't. God was in control of my life, and I just encourage you that I'm not saying never stress out, because I know that that's not exactly a reality in many of our lives, or in college we're facing all kinds of things, but trust in the Lord that His plan is perfect, that no matter what goes on, that His plan is going to be the end result. Turn to your friends in your time of need. They can help lift you up and encourage you to get through the problems that you're having. And with that, I would like to call up Donnie. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Yeah, hold it. You can call me Squeaky or Gimp too. <laughs> um, I have to say, when I first found out that I had to do this, um, I guess out of a little self pride, I thought somebody must think I know something about witnessing or something like that, because that's what I'm going to talk about. And through this week, I found out that. I really didn't know too much at all about witnessing and true witnessing. And I want to start out with a series of questions here. And I think from what I'm like, oh, we'll just start with them. Um, How many people in here either gave their life to the Lord this week or are already a Christian? See some hands. Okay, now I want to get, leave them up for a second. Everybody leave them up. Um, How many people have ever brought a friend to church that their only relation to our church was you? meaning not family, they didn't know anyone else, just you, okay. How many people have seen that person be baptized or become a member of our church? Okay, we have a couple, which I figured, and that's great, but here's st- that's kind of what I expected to see happen, and I want to tell just a real short story to me and how I think this applies. Um, I was in school, uh, my senior year of high school, I was sitting in my physics class and I remember someone saying to me, there was just this girl Sarah, she was sitting next to me and she said, I forget the comment I made, but she said, I respect you because you stick with what you believe in. And at the time I thought, that's a compliment. I must be doing something right. I mean, if someone says that to you, you're initially going to say that you're doing something good, you know? Well, it was just yesterday, last night. I was thinking about that because I was gonna say it in the younger class yesterday for some reason I didn't and now I know why because I don't think it was a compliment in some way because if I was doing my job showing her what God has done for me she would have wanted that she would have wanted exactly what I had she saw this guy has something you know a religion or and a lot of people call it a crutch he has something that he believes in so that was partly good but the fact that she didn't say, how can I get this? Or how can I obtain this? Or what do you have to do? I mean, that, that showed me that maybe something was lacking there. Uh, I want to share another experience that I had. I think And I think there might be some Cutco alumni in the audience. Uh, <laughs> but last December, I took a job at Cutco. If any of you don't know, it's a knife, a knife company. And it's sales. You, you bug your family to buy knives and things like that. Uh, <laughs> Well, I started in on this and the first thing they do, you have a, a three-day seminar. Well, that's how it was for me at least. You go and you learn about the product. They want to convince you that your product is the best. And that's the only way you're going to sell it if you know your product is the best. And they had me pretty convinced. No, I mean, they, you cut through rope, you do all the leather tests and everything and they had me pretty convinced. And Uh, What I found out is you go to your family and they're like, they're yawning, they're turning the channels and things like that on the TV. And normally they did buy something, but it wasn't because of my awesome presentation or anything like that. It was they felt sorry for me. (laughs) (laughs) And I think if you you think about that with maybe witnessing or anything like that, a lot of us can witness to friends and family and they're going to listen to you. And they're going to sit there and they're going to say, I know what you mean. Or they're going to say, pat you on the back and say, you know, keep going, you know, you'll do fine. And they turn around, what is this guy doing, you know? And if you think about it, when you go, because they say too, I think, I don't even know, 60 70% of the people that go try to do this, like after two weeks, they're done. And it's so easy to see why, because they're done with their family. They're done with their friends. They sucked all the money out of their family, and now they're done. Because then they have to go talk to other people that they don't know. And if you think about that, I think we're in the same boat where, for our witnessing, we, we look and we say, I can do this. And then we talk to our family, and they might listen to us. And we talk to our friends, but then it's like, oh, now I have to go out on my own and talk to someone else. And that's always something, and I am speaking to myself first, as a lot of people are saying, and because I know I don't do that. And I'm not doing Cutco anymore either, because I'm out of family and friends. And it, it wasn't exactly... The greatest choice for me but I think that we just have to have that confidence and realize that we have the best product I mean the product it wasn't exactly in the product it was in the person what for the sales it was how they presented it and I think the guy said we want to make people say how was I living without this I mean this is the same for knives he wanted them to think how did I live without these they're so great he wanted people to say that and just think about it, the application with Christ. I mean, that's our job, to go around and make people say that. How did I live without him? How, did I, how could I live without this? And just think how much more convincing that would be. And I think Stan talked about in his forum how uh, the level, I don't know if any, all of you have heard this or not, the level, average level on a scale from 1 to 10 for like the maturity of our believers, 1 being the lowest, 10 being as Christ, was a 2.5 as he surveyed people of what they thought and that's incredibly low. And I think that there's part of the problem. If we can reach out and get out of outside of our mold, that I think would be awesome. How many of you have ever heard on that sales, uh, like uh, home shopping network, um, them guys that go back and forth, this is the best product ever, ever since gold, or something like that, and he's just like, it's not $900, it's not, it's only nineteen ninety nine just for today, <laughs> and things like that. They're selling the worst products on the market to gullible people across the world that's just how it is and they make you feel like again if you don't have this product you're not gonna be able to live and the products are normally horrible and they might break after a week now think of if you just use that example think of how our testimony or how our witness how my witness can be if we go up to someone this prize or this this gift isn't a million dollars like it should be it's not it's not even close to. That. it's free I mean just think about that Imagine on the networks if they said, we got these bracelets, you know, I don't know, gold or whatever you want to call them, and they, they could be $900. All you have to call in and we'll give you one. All you have to do is call into this channel, or to the channel and we'll send you one. You know what, we'll send you 12 of them if you want. I mean, there's no limit. That's what I'm getting at. And it just seems like if we took that approach to saying, you know what, there's a great gift that's uncomparable. And you know what, it doesn't cost anything except for you to submit and, and it's free and I think that we would have a lot better I know that's something I'm gonna work on I think that it would just it would go over better to people and I think that um, we can relate to that and another just a small example I mean a lot of us are getting ready to go into school or going into college I mean if you think of recruiting people and colleges they don't just go up and say you know we got this great school if, if you're interested in coming we'd like it, you know. You have some star basketball player, maybe it's a musician or something. They're not going to go up and say, you know, it costs 30 grand a year but we have a nice swimming pool or something like that. They're not going to say that. They're going to drill in the benefits of their school to try to cover up the cost and I think we have minimal cost and we should do the same thing, drill in the benefits of how we live our lives and how we can live our lives for Jesus Christ and how much how much better we have it. We have to show, and I have to show, how much better I have it and how I cannot live without Jesus Christ. And if we show that that people need to have this product, I think witnessing will be a lot easier and we'll have awesome results, I think. And now is going to talk about how friends can help you in these experiences and how much better they make it to have them. I'll let you put this on
3: hi everybody um Denise asked me a while ago to talk about friendship and I was like what in the world am I supposed to talk about because there's so many things about friends and I'm so not the best example I'm sure out of all the people that have great friends but um I ended up going out with four of my really good girlfriends, which are in here, to uh, dinner one night right before I went to youth choir, and I'm going to talk about that because something like really neat and interesting happened there. But um, we just had a great meal and we were just talking and things. And I was asking them guys, what should I talk about? Like you know, there's so many different things, and they were giving me tons of ideas and um, telling me, you know, the Christian friend versus the non-Christian friend. you know, how friendships are like the best thing and you need the right friends to have the right support and all that stuff, how you can benefit from each other. But that night we walked outside afterwards and we ended up talking to these two guys, which just came up to us randomly. And I was like, oh, no big deal, you know, whatever, and uh, they're just talking about this basic con- you know, conversation stuff, their name and their age and all that, where they're from. Well, they started talking about their lives and got into relationships. And um, they couldn't believe that we were virgins. And we were all like, like it's such a basic thing to us. And I'm going to be very open about what we talked about because um, the, one of the guys said, I bet you in five years you will have sex. And we, we were all like, no, you don't understand. Like We're Christians and we don't do that and we, we have a commitment to God and to ourselves and things like that. And... They're from total different backgrounds and stuff, and where they come from, you know, where they live, it's just you walk around and everyone, I guess, has had premarital sex. But um, it ended up that we had to explain to them, you know, about our church and things like that, and one of the guys said, or we all said that if anyone, like, we were just t- kind of explaining to them, like, if one of our friends was about to do that, there's no way we would even let them, you know what I mean? Like, that's just bottom line, we'd be there for them. And the guy goes, Well, what if your friend was mad at you? Wouldn't you just go against them, you know, and do it anyway? And we're all like, No, like, we have that commitment to God, too. So my point is not about that at all. But um, in that situation, I probably wouldn't have talked to them anyway. But my friends were there to help me. We kept talking about camp, and then we went on to explain our church to them. And they were really interested, which is really cool. But um, those girls, like, I never would have been so open. About explaining how you know that is not an option and I never would have been so blunt and so positive in that kind of situation and um and in Proverbs 27 17 it says as iron sharpens iron so one man sharpens another and that's exactly true because that's what happened um my friends you know they just helped me out and that's exactly you know we just we just helped each other out just like you know that iron helps itself but um so on another totally different side i'm going to share a little story with you and this is really fast but um there are these two guys named john and patrick and they were great friends and they um went to school with each other and they just went all through high school doing everything together these guys were best friends and their families knew each other and um when john was under a car one time and the jack slipped patrick was there to help him out and when patrick fell out a boat and couldn't swim john was there to get him in the boat before he drowned. And um, they ended up going to college and split up, but they still stayed in contact with each other because they were just clicked like nothing else. And um, John saw Patrick recently because he was the pallbearer at his funeral. And John had the guilt of knowing that Patrick wasn't a Christian, and that was his best friend. And John was born again Christian, saved, that never shared the gospel with him. And he had taken him to church and to youth group and stuff, but had never told him that impact of that eternity in hell. And to me, that's like, oh my goodness, like, you know, that's so, that's like one of the most important things in the world, you know, and this is his best friend. Like, how could you let that happen? So John's like thinking of all these things, you know, during the funeral and has that guilt of knowing that you know on the day of judgment when they're sitting at the throne of God Patrick's gonna be like man why didn't you tell me you know like I I wanted to like you should have told me like how this impacted my eternity. you know I I knew like about God and stuff but I never had to make a commitment you never told me I just want to let you know that friendship is one of the most important things in your life and that your friends are there for you in all different kinds of situations and you need the right friends and Um, In the Bible, there's tons of verses. I've looked up if you want to see me, but a ton of verses that talk about friendship and um, just how it's really important to have the right friends and a positive influence. So now Ryan will talk about his Bible studies.
4: someone stole my pizza boxes wait where's the thing how do you do this say something before he talks or something like say, okay oh, can Yeah. Then we're going
1: to do No, don't do
4: that. I want right, to talk about studying your Bible and start, we're going to have a little skit and it's a story from the Bible and then we're going to have you guys guess what it is, but just wait until they're done with the same thing and I'll you to raise it hand. All right. Here we go. Okay. daddy Okay. Okay.
0: Man, I made 603 score th- this year and I have a throne of ivory overlaid with gold. I exceed all the kings in the earth for riches and for wisdom. However, my pride has taken over taken me over and now god is going to take my kingdom from me <laughs>
4: All right, does anybody raise your hand if you have a guess of where that, what that story was? Or in other words, who King Daddy Jay was supposed to be? And Josh, you can't answer. Anybody have a guess of who he was supposed to be? Scotty? King Solomon, King Solomon. okay. Now, even trickier, who knows where that, uh, what he was reading about and just that whole story is found in the Bible? Wrong, but good guess. Anybody else? Ah, looks like we need to study our Bibles. That's what I'm talking about. It's actually found in 1 Kings 11, if you want to read all about that. But I am here to talk about studying your Bible. And what did I... Someone took my blue one that had my notes in it. That's not it. That's not it. Sorry. Sorry. All right, here we go. What, this one? Yeah, that's for the tape that they're making here, champ. But, uh, (laughs) all right, moving on. Now, as we're talking about reading your Bible, nobody knew where that was found, so you guys all need to read your Bible more. Anyway, you ask yourself, why do I need to read my Bible, perhaps? Uh, You hear ministers preach about it. You think you understand the gospel. You think you understand salvation. So, I mean, you can just take their word for it, right? Well, giving a couple normal day experiences, what if you had, uh, not even a friend, just someone come up and tell you that they read in Sports Illustrated this week that Michael Jordan was for sure coming back next year and he already signed a contract and everything and he was coming back. Would you just take their word for it and say, oh yeah, they're probably right, I'll just believe it. Or would you go look up the magazine article yourself and find it? Or for girls, if that doesn't relate very well, what if uh, someone told you that uh, they read in People Magazine that Britney Spears had died they just told you just out of nowhere? She's in a car crash. Would you just believe it right away? Or that's for guys too, I guess. Sasha. (laughs) But anyway, the point is, you probably wouldn't just believe it and start telling other people right away. You would actually look it up for yourself and make sure it was right. Same thing with if a minister tells you, that you can find salvation through the Bible. You can find salvation in the Bible. It says that if you believe in Jesus, you will go to heaven. And there's all different kinds of things about that. You don't need to necessarily just believe that right away. You have the evidence right here that you can go look it up and read it and study it for yourself. So that's why you need to read it. Now, how you read it. Quick verse here, Second 2 Timothy 2.15. Does anybody know what that says? Oh, good job, Josh. All right. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Who remembers what the first word of that verse was other than Josh's? Study, right? Okay. What's the difference between studying and reading? Uh, I use this example often. Um, Let's say you're in school, and everybody's going back to their high school days now that's graduated, but you have like a biology test on Monday and it's over chapter 7 and 8 or something like that. Are you just going to read chapter 7 tomorrow, chapter 8 Sunday, and then go to school pretty confident on the test? No, I mean, you're not going to remember hardly anything you read. So why, when we study the Bible, do we lay down in our bed at night, read one chapter, put it away, and go to sleep? Is that studying? That is reading, and we forget everything that we read the next day. To study for your test, you would actually probably highlight terms, memorize things, You'd read over it and over it and over again until you understood the concepts, not just knew them. It's the same thing with the Bible. If you really want to study your Bible, need to underline parts of your Bible, make maybe note cards, memorize things, as Josh memorized that verse. Good job. Um, Just continue to read it over and over and over again until you truly understand the concept before you move on. All right. Um, Now, a couple other quick tips, like a place to start, a good place to start. If you haven't really ever studied your Bible a lot and you are trying to make a commitment after camp to really dive into it a lot more and get into it a lot more, one thing I always say is to go right back to the basics, go to the Gospels, and the easiest way to do that, there's four different Gospels, there's four different books written about Jesus, different accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Does anybody know how many chapters are in the book of Matthew? Twenty-eight. That was close. And you heard yesterday, so you can't guess. All right, what about the book of Luke? Does anybody know how many chapters are in the book of Luke? 17. 24. 24. Very good. What about the book of John? Anybody have a guess? Wrong. Higher. 21. I don't know who said that, but she was cheating, too. But anyway, those are all in the 20s. Seem like a lot of chapters, right? It would take a long time to get through that. What about the book of Mark? 16. 16. Pretty short. That's a lot shorter, actually. And it's still got all the main points, all the main things that you're going to need to get out of the life of Jesus. And it just kind of goes a little quicker through, a little easier to read through. The other Gospels are obviously very important and have a little different details now and then. But if you want a place just to start, I would kind of recommend that. Just go through the book of Mark and you can get through it 16 chapters in no time like that. And then after that, you can start with the book of Acts. Or go on to the book of Acts. <laughs> Corinthians. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> You can move on to the book of Acts. Acts is kind of just like the sequel to the Gospels where they start the early church, and it's very exciting how they go through all kinds of persecutions and yet strive for Christ, and we can relate that to our lives if we really push Jesus in our lives. Another uh, couple study tips, uh, get a study Bible. That's not a necessity, I guess, If if you like your normal Bibles, if you have something against it, if your parents have something against it, don't do that, I guess, but if not, I think that's really, really changed my life, really changed my studying habits for the Bible. I decided about a year and a half ago, I really needed to get more into it, into reading it. So I decided to buy one. It was I spent a few bucks on it, but it was a very wise purchase. It totally changed my life. It had all different kinds of study notes underneath. It had different references on the side. Every verse, it would say like a different verse to go to. So if you think if you read something and think, oh, wait, that sounds familiar, you, you look on the side, and then you can look it up and find where that verse is found. And, oh, yeah, that does make a lot of sense. It has maps. Some of the Bibles have maps just within the Bible. The Bible Live is called Life Application Bible, and that's the one I'm talking about that really helped me out. And, it, like, if you're reading about Jesus and where uh, it says he traveled somewhere, you can actually look and see exactly the path that he took. Really neat to do that. A concordance in the back. And it's not just your normal word concordance where you look for the word faith. It's like if you want to look up the subject of faith and it'll give little phrases of um, what you would need like faith as a mustard seed or faith uh, just in everyday life. Just, it gives different kind of examples, not just specific times where it's written in the Bible. And then also the last study tip I would have is put yourself in a position to teach. And you say, well, I don't know that much about the Bible yet. How can I possibly teach it? but you know a lot more about the Bible than you thought you did, thought do. Someone knew that that was Solomon up there, so that was pretty good. You knew that, but um, you know all kinds of things that you don't know that you know, and <laughs> um, teaching simple salvation, simple just about Jesus. You could easily get a small group of two, three, four, five friends together and just have a small-time Bible study, and if you do that, You'll make yourself accountable, and you'll have to know this stuff. And then you'll just just read it, and you'll understand it. And we were Josh and Tanya and I were talking about this earlier this week, and she said the same thing. She put herself in a position where she had to have like a small little Bible study, and she she learned so much more that way because she knew she, she would have to know it or else she would look dumb or something. So try to read your Bible more, and that's about all I got. And now Beverly will come up and speak about encouragement.
5: Um, When Denise asked me to talk about encouragement first, I wasn't really sure what I was going to say. I didn't have any really awesome stories that I could tell because she wanted us to all tell personal stories. Like I was thinking, oh, you know, too bad, like I never talked somebody down that was about to commit suicide or something from a ledge or anything like that. I didn't have anything real spectacular. And um, also as I was studying um, more about encouragement in the Bible. Um, Like, God was really just speaking to my heart and showing me how much more that everything that I'm about to say just applies to me, Um, and so I just want to say that before I start saying um, everything. Um, First, I just want to ask you guys, like Ryan did, um, to just raise your hands to answer a question, or Don, whoever did that, um, of how many of you have just struggled with, ever struggled with discouragement, being discouraged with anything, your job, school, family, friends, whatever, in the past year, I mean. I think pretty much everyone can say that. Um, how about in the past month? How about um, just this week at camp? <laughs> the point is, if you look around, almost every single person struggles with discouragement. And discouragement is just one of <clears throat> Satan's biggest tools. He uses it against non-Christians to keep you from coming to Christ. You think you can't do it? He uses it against Christians It makes us completely ineffective. We're so stuck looking at ourselves, we can't do any work for him. and when we um, stop and we look around and we see all the friends around us who are going through the same thing, it really, um, it really can help us and I think that's the whole point of this forum. So um, I just want to tell you guys a little story um, about something that's kind of small in my life but it really affected me a lot, um, something that I struggled with about being discouraged um, this summer. Um, I have a job this summer as a summer camp counselor for a bunch of kids, and it's about 180 kids, and it's outside and with them all day. It's really fun, but it's a lot of hard work. And um, when I started the job, I was just thinking, I'm going to be there, a normal person, just play with the kids. And we had a staff meeting about four days before um, the camp was going to start. And the director of the camp, who's a pretty close friend of mine, he was basically begging, he needed someone to lead one of the activities that so was outdoor education. And um, he was very desperate for someone to do it he he wasn't the greatest planner and he didn't have anyone and he was just like so stressed about it um... and if you guys whatever um, <laughs> but so i was like i could never do this <laughs> um... i was thought i could never do it but the more he was talking about it you know I, God was really laying it on my heart that, you know, you should help him out. You could do it. You could probably teach a couple kids how to, like, put sticks together and make a teepee fire or something like that. So um, (laughs) I told him I would do it. And um, as the camp approached, it was about four days away, and I had to, like, find all the materials and figure out what I was going to say. And I was kind of nervous about it. I was kind of stressing. But um, the camp started, and it started it went pretty well, like everything was going well, Um, I started figuring out some of the glitches and everything, and it should have been, I should have been really encouraged about it, but um, Satan used a lot of the things um, like in my life and like a lot of pride just to discourage me, um, he made me think about, like, what does everybody else think of me? What do these other counselors think of me? It made me doubt, like, I don't know that much about it. You know, I've never done this before. And I just started getting really discouraged. And then also, like, if there was one or two kids who were messing around who weren't really paying attention, it would, like, really get to me, and I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm doing such an awful job or whatever. And I started really worrying about it, and um, it really got me down. And to the point where, like, um, sometimes I thought about, like, quitting. I was like, I just can't do this. I don't feel like dealing with it. It's supposed to be enjoyable summer, and it's so much stress. I sometimes when I came to work I just like didn't want to be there I was kind of had a bad attitude with the kids I'm just like you know can't wait till this day is over until one of the counselors the other one who worked there um, a really good friend of mine who I really respect a lot with kids he told me just off the blue um, comment one day you know you're doing a really good job and it seems like such a simple comment and I was but it just really encouraged me a lot and then um, when I was coming to this camp um, right before I was leaving, I was getting ready to go. He just told me, You know, you've done a really good job this summer. Um, and, you know, he encouraged me that he's like, I really, you know, I think you should do what you want to do with your life. But I think if you would ever end up working with kids, that it would be, you know, you have a real talent for that and like the point isn't that I can work with kids that's not the point but the point is like just him saying those three sentences to me just completely changed my outlook about what how the whole summer had been for me and even maybe on just like what my career my future might be Um, and when I thought about telling that story to you guys it hit me that this person who encouraged me he wasn't a Christian and I'm like how did this person who wasn't a Christian, he, I don't even know if he really believes in God, um, he was used to encourage me. And I thought, you know, some, and I'm not to condemn my friends because this is all to me too, but you know, why wasn't like more of my Christian friends there to encourage me? And I kind of realized that it was like he was there and he saw what was going on and he saw the need in me um, and he just encouraged me. And I just want, I think that we all need to think about... Um, our Christian friends around us like we're so stuck in our own little world sometimes we just see all of our problems and like we don't really take time to look around and see the problems in each other's lives and we don't really take time to encourage each other um, but it's something that God commands for us to do and it's something that we all need to do for each other and I just want to read um, Bible verse in First Thessalonians five eleven through 18 that just talks about um, encouraging each other and the different ways and why God wants us to do it it says um, therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you are also doing and we urge you brethren to recognize those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake and um, that part of the verse really kind of spoke to me this year at camp because then I know like a lot of my friends too had a lot of responsibilities at camp and sometimes the people who are like doing things and leading it looks like they got it all together but there are a lot of times they're really nervous and they're insecure and they need the encouragement just as much as anyone else um... It says be at peace among yourselves now we exhort you brethren warn those who are unruly comfort the faint-hearted uphold the weak be patient with all see that no one renders evil for evil to anyone but always pursue what is good both for yourselves and for all rejoice always and pray without ceasing and everything give thanks and the last part of that just really spoke to me because I mean how much does our attitude, whether we're rejoicing all the time and giving thanks or whether we just have a bad attitude, it can either, you know, discourage our friends and bring them down or it can lift them up, and also to pray for our friends always. And um, one thing other that I just wanted to share um, was a story about um, a friend that I have who um, is a few years younger than myself. Um, She's a girl that goes to this camp. She goes to an ACC church, but at her church they don't really have a youth group. Um, she's the only one, pretty much there. And a long, a few years ago, maybe about five years ago, um, God kind of laid it on my heart that I should kind of just get to know her and um, take time to just become a friend and like be an encouragement in her life. And um, a lot of times, I didn't really do it that well, like because I was kind of annoyed with her, and you know, I just wanted to talk to my friends or guy or whatever, you know, but we started becoming friends. We emailed each other a lot. Um, I went up to see her a lot. We did things together. And a lot of times it was hard. It took sacrifice and I'm not saying any of this like to glorify myself because I know that I failed a lot and it was only God that helped me to do it. Um, but about a month ago she um, and gave her life to Christ and became a Christian. And she shared with me and actually was kind of suggested that I would tell this when I was talking to her about how I had to do this form, that my encouragement made a difference in her life and it really spoke to me because I just thought I was so convicted that like What if I hadn't done that and all the times when I just really didn't feel like being there for her? I mean where would she be it would have been an eternal consequence for her soul and I just want to challenge all of the people most of you guys are Christians here to um, think of someone that you can encourage um, whether it's a Christian or a non-Christian. Just think of different ways that you can encourage them, whatever God lays on your heart, you know, to get to know them, to write them, to spend time with them, send them Bible verses, whatever it is. And um, just to think about the different consequences that it's going to have in their life. I mean, you could really make a difference through God's help. Um, And to the non-Christians, I just want to close by saying um, that... It's going to be a lot harder for you to encourage people because you don't have the same source of encouragement that we do as christians and for the christians that we know that we need to look to god um second corinthians 1 3 to 4 says praise be to god the father of our lord jesus christ the father of compassion and the god of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from god and that's the point we receive the comfort from God and it's our responsibility to give it to others and those around us.
1: Okay. I first want to thank you for your patience and uh, everything, but uh, we're going to wrap it up real quickly here. And um, I want you guys to look around and look at what the person beside you is wearing, what they look like, what color their hair is, and who they are as a person. Take a look around. Okay, now bring the attention back here. I want to tell you guys a story about myself when I was probably just about 16 years old. For your information, I'm 18 now, so it was just about two years ago. And, um, I looked like a good kid. I I think I still do, but you know, I I was a good kid. I mean, I got good grades. I never talked back to my parents. You know, I, I mean, I was a good kid. But who I was at church and who I was at school were completely different people. And I want you to know that looks can be very, very deceiving. And just because your friend sitting to the right or left of you looks like they're doing fine, they might not be. Okay, the person beside you, are they a Christian? They may know the Bible inside and out. They may have studied it like Ryan had mentioned. Do they have Christ in their heart? Do, have they accepted God into their life? And I'm not here to preach to you. I'm gonna leave that to the ministers. But what I want to share with you is that you guys have the perfect opportunity. I was trying to calculate that there's we think there's about a hundred people in this room. And these people are people that totally get you if I can say that. They they understand what it is that you're going through. And when I was sixteen years old, I looked around at my lunch table at school. I saw the jocks, football players, and all my two little cheerleader friends, and looked at myself and I said, you know, something I'm doing here is not right. But the reason I didn't change, the reason I didn't make the choice to believe in God was because nobody Nobody understood who I was. They all thought I was a good kid. They all thought that they knew me. And I think that each one of you here thinks that you know me. But do you? Have you taken the time to talk to me? Have you taken the time to see what's going on in my life? And in return, have I done that for you? I think that the phrase that held me up my entire high school years was that nobody understands. And today? I think that we have all proven that you have each other and that we really do understand. And you can turn to us in your time of need if you just want somebody to talk to, cry with, laugh with, anything. And some of you have really helped me in my life and get my life in order and, you know, say, wake up, Denise. You know, you're not being a good example. You're not encouraging others. So what I want to leave you with now is that don't be afraid. Uh, don't be afraid to turn to the person next to you and share what it is that you think is right or what's in your heart, and um, just know that they understand, they get you. And whenever the opportunity arises, that you should prayerfully consider sharing with them parts of your life, inside and outside of the church. So um, I appreciate very much your attention, and have a wonderful afternoon.